Hey everybody, my name's Eddie McClintock, star of several canceled television shows. And if you stick around, you'll get to hear me talk about those canceled television shows with my good buddy, Andrew Pope, on Picking It Out. Well, it's just another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. It's another podcast, y'all. Just gonna be picking it out. Yeah, we got Eddie McClintock in the house. His house, brother. But we're still gonna be picking it out. And the guitar's out of tune a little bit. That's just fine. Well, hey, y'all. Appreciate y'all tuning in once again. I'm a poet and didn't know it. To picking it out. Always happy to uh, jump on here and, you know, have conversations with people, man. Because uh, I was talking about this the other day. It kind of feels like, man, that uh, these days conversations are like more digital now and there's no interaction. I'm guilty of it, you know, too. Uh, Gracie says hello again. Thank you, Gracie. Uh, but it's good to have conversations uh, still, I think. And we're going to have a good one today with a guy that's kind of done it all. Uh, this guy's a great actor. Um, been through a good bit in his life, like a lot of us have. Um, he's been on all kinds of shows. Uh, movies had spots in a lot of TV shows like Friends. Um, I mean, you name it. I've got a list here actually because I couldn't even remember all the stuff. I mean, the show, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney Plus. I'm looking through recent stuff. Had a stint on uh, MacGyver, the reboot, Bones. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of course, most of you know him from Warehouse 13, um, which was a great, a great show and uh, wish it was on longer, actually. So we got Eddie McClintock here with us. How you doing, brother? Andrew, I'm well, man. How are you today? Doing good. Holding the fort down here in Alabama. Yes, sir. Uh, man, you made me sound uh, almost important there. I was I was even impressed myself with some of those credits. Well, you know, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of try to pass it on. You know, uh, these yeah. people give me these little introductions sometimes and I'm like, who are you introducing? I mean, I ain't done nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've done a lot, though, really. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah, I've uh, I've been a, a stepping stone for some of the biggest names in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> the, star, the star of several canceled television shows. Well, at least they were television shows. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I I should have. Uh, I should have been like the the funniest ditch digger on the midnight shift back in Ohio. That that was kind of where I was headed. So you know, I'm I'm grateful for uh, everything that I've been given in this life. Yeah, I mean, it's not of- perfect. It has been perfect, and and you know, but no, no one's has. And I, I've I've learned that gratitude is better than resentment. So absolutely. What what part of Ohio are you from? I'm from Northeast Ohio, so uh, Canton, Ohio, uh, North Canton to be specific. But I I always say Canton because that's where the excuse me the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the uh, Hoover vacuum cleaner. Ah, the Hoover vacuum so, cleaner. So I got that going for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, yeah. maybe you'll get a na- a, a road. Yeah. At least, <laughs> Named I, I know, man. I'm like, throw me a bone over here. <laughs> the Hoover vacuum cleaner. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, that man, Hoover used to be a big deal. I don't know. I guess it still is. I think Dyson's kind of the yeah Mac Daddy now. Yeah the the Hoover plant that's that's in our that's in the center of my hometown. It, it's non functioning, just like everything else in this country now. So. Well, yeah, probably you can, your, you can buy your vacuum from China, just like your socks yep. and everything, everything, you know, this little town here that I'm from, it's in Northeast Alabama and it's, it's close to Fort Payne. Fort Payne used to be the sock capital of the world and in the nineties, all that stuff just like everything else went over to China. Right. So there goes all those, you know, sock mill jobs. Yeah. But uh, everything's like that. You know, when did you leave Ohio? I, uh, I somehow graduated from high school and then somehow graduated from college uh, in 91 uh, down in Dayton, Ohio, and then moved to Los Angeles uh, to sell corporate insurance for my uncle in uh, in 1991. How'd that work out? Uh, he fired me after six months. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you have a pretty secretary that you just talking uh, to or No, I mean, you know, um, I... I grew up playing football and wrestling back in Ohio. I went to college to basically wrestle. Um, My the sports was really the only thing that was keeping me out of trouble. Um, So I tried to extend my athletic career as, as, uh, as far as I could. And, um, you know, I, I was pretty wild and I, tried to convince myself that I could be an ins- a corporate insurance salesman in Los Angeles because 
I wanted to come to LA. I didn't know why I wanted to come to LA. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be in Los Angeles. And so I said, I'm going to be an insurance salesman. And I was taking a lot of acid then and uh, drinking a lot. And, um, you know, I, I could only maintain the facade for so long. I, I would come out to visit when I was early in earlier in life. And so, uh, you know, I, I grew up at a country club back in Ohio. So when I came out here, I knew how to play the game for my uncle. And, uh, and he, he, uh, he, he bought into it. And so, but after, after a few months, you know, it's kind of like living with someone, you know, they're, they're your best friend until you move in with them. And then you're like, Whoa. Um, um, uh, so, uh, eventually the, uh, the veneer of, of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, togetherness that I had, uh, it all, it all came crashing down and, and he had every right to fire me. So, so I was, I was pretty, pretty bad. Well, you know, it's, I feel like, uh, when you're young, and around that that time in life is, I don't know if I'd say you kind of get a pass, maybe not, but just, you know, I feel like everybody needs to kind of get that out of their system when they're young. And then if you have a problem with it later on, I think you can make, you know, the choice is yours to make uh, whether you carry that on or you know, kind of get your priorities in line. And uh, as far as myself, I don't have an addictive personality, but it runs somewhat in my family. Uh, I actually just lost mama last year um, at an early age, in her 50s. I'm sorry. Because of cirrhosis, because she just couldn't put it down. Uh-huh. Uh, but take me on the other hand you know i kind of had my wild phase in my 20s and then i hardly i hardly ever even drank a beer anymore you know so i don't know i feel like uh it's good to for younger people if they're gonna be interested or curious to kind of get that out of their system early you know but then if it turns into a problem I think that's a different, whole different story there. That makes any did, sense. Do you think? Oh, of course. Do you, do you think uh, seeing what your mom went through had anything to do with you just kind of walking away from all of it? Yeah, it it did. Um, I think it did. You know, and she hadn't always been like that. It, it just happened. She started drinking probably, probably around two thousand. 2001 something like that and it just got worse and worse and worse and she wasn't happy you know she was miserable uh pretty much and kind of went back to her childhood days i think um that kind of thing but then she quit for a few years got a nice uh job that she felt needed at it got to be too much, and then she started back and didn't stop. And I, I was uh, 
let's see. I guess I was 16 or 17 when she really started and it get, get it out of hand. And I, I kind of was the, uh, responsible, like, you know, I try to get her to talk to me about stuff. She wouldn't, but I would try to get her to, um, you know, at a young age, like I was kind of, you know, I was mature for a, at a young age in some ways like that uh so i think it did have a lot to do with me just it, it never being a problem you know in my life but you know it, it's one of them things man it's like so many in this industry whether you know you're doing you're doing the acting thing you're doing singing sports man it's Freak. just it's so easy yeah. To do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, and a lot of, t- and, and it, I think that it, it also, it, 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 there's a lot of it because as you said, you can, you can do whatever you want. Right. I mean, especially if you've had some success and, and, you know, you've got money and mm-hmm. people are admiring you. And then the same can be said for those who are 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 not having the success. Exactly. It, it it opens up that door as well because you know there's insecurity and uh, you, you know you're being you're being said no to far more times than you're being said yes to, and oh yeah, it's it's impossible not to internalize it, and so you know, in in order to deal with the internalization of those rejections, you know, a lot of people go that way as well. So it's on both sides. It's a, you know, especially for somebody then who is already predisposed to, uh, you know, uh, addictive personality. So I, which I, you know, I had, I had it coming from all sides. Yeah. I had it coming from all sides. You know, I mean, I, I had a, I had a great time for a long time oh, drinking yeah. and smoking weed and partying with my buddies and, you know, being the guy that could do the most of this or do them, you know, especially I got a lot of clout with my wrestling buddies, you know, in college because I was, you know, like the last guy standing a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. um, I, I got a lot of my, uh, self-esteem from that man um but you know then when you when you transition into the real world um it doesn't really serve you uh it didn't at least it didn't for me yeah uh, uh, you know once i got fired by my uncle and decided that i was gonna you know, once I decided I started taking acting classes and decided that I was going to try something else, um, I didn't want to go back to Ohio as a failure. And I realized that I needed to, uh, you know, turn it around. So, yeah. Well, thank God you did. Yeah. Now I got, I got a wife and two kids, three dogs, a Senegal parrot, a cat, (laughs) <laughs> a gerbil <laughs> I mean, there you go I'm, li- I'm living the dream brother yeah absolutely now uh you say you're talking about college you went to ohio state right 
Well, I went to uh, Wright State University, which is in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. I, I don't know if I could have gotten into Ohio State. Uh, my grades were not good enough. And I, I definitely couldn't have wrestled for Ohio State. Uh, but I I kind of re- I got recruited to come down to, to Wright State to wrestle. And I had a couple buddies down there already that were on the wrestling team. So, um, you know, I mean. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, I think my dad was just praying, you know, like, man, (laughs) please help this kid. Please let this kid find his way, you know, please help him to find his way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I can say this, that when my dad passed, uh, he he just, he passed in March. Um, I'm sorry. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was a rough one. Um, when he passed, he he was proud of me. So um, that's everything. That's, that's all. I mean, it, it is everything. It, it, you know, and I I uh, since then I've done a lot of uh, soul searching about what is important to me in this life. You know, because mm-hmm. when I when I was younger, you know, I wanted to be. I want to, you know, I was like, I became an actor because I wanted to be successful. And I grew up, I, the way I grew up was I want to be the best at what I do. You know, I, I, I didn't want to be famous. I just wanted to be the best. And, and being, being, if, if a byproduct of being the best was being famous, then so be it. But, um, you know, so I, 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 I took it very seriously and, and, uh, you know, um, my dad, my dad recognized that, that, and he also was really proud of the fact that I was able to get sober and stay sober. Um, you know, I'll I'll be 22 years sober, uh, if everything goes well (laughs) as planned, (laughs) uh, January, uh, 1st. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, that's a that's a huge accomplishment right there. Thanks. God, uh, yeah. Met my, stay met on my that wife track. in an AA meeting. Oh, uh, really? She, she's a year. She got a year more than I do. Wow. Yeah. So y'all kind of keep each other sober, probably. Yeah, I mean, she she's the probably, you know, she's the more uh, she's much smarter than I am. And, uh, she's, uh, she's got her finger on the, the spiritual pulse a little more than I do. So she keeps me grounded. You know, I, I tend to spin out. And, uh, so she's, uh, and my birthday was yesterday. And so, Oh, happy late birthday. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. We went to see, uh, the new top gun and, you know, I was just sitting there looking at her during the movie and I was like, you know, I, and I'm watching this movie because it's a nostalgic thing. You know, uh, Top Gun came out pretty much like right around when I went away to college. And so there was a lot of nostalgia there and seeing this and then looking at my my new life. And and I I just thought, you know, I, there's no one else that I would want to grow old with than, than this woman sitting right next to me. So that's a... There's a lot of comfort there, you know? Yeah. So how was 
how was the movie without giving anything away? It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, you know, I love Tom Cruise, you know, um, you know, say what, say what you want. Uh, but, uh, he's always been one of my favorite actors. He's just solid, you know, he's solid. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I recommend it. Especially if you like the first one, you know, there's some, there's some America, you know, they don't, they, there's, they show the flag and I, I, I'm a big, I'm a big lover of the flag. And yes, sir. so kind of gets, kind of gets my, uh, kind of gets your pride up a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I recommend it. I had, uh, Tom Scarrett on a few months ago. Uh, Oh yeah, man! What a guy! Yeah, I love. I've always loved him. Yeah, you know, and he told this story about watching Citizen Kane, and that's what just got his motor running. Oh uh, man, what a what a guy he is! Have you ever come across Tom? I've never met him. He's he's certainly you know up there in the echelon of actors that you know I'd love to meet. Yeah, he's uh, he's something, man, and he's you know he's still working. He's doing yeah. he's doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, just a, a great dude. Yeah, yeah. We need to we need to watch it. We watched the Batman last night. Mm-hmm. On uh, it's running on HBO Max right now. Yeah, and we watched it last night. And have you saw it? Yeah. What what do you think about it? Well, you know, it's, it's hard for me. I I don't think I'm a good judge of, of superhero movies. Um, I just, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me for some reason to invest in the stories. Cause I, I, cause it's not real, man. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, actors making millions and millions and millions of dollars flying around with, uh, capes wearing tights. Um, for me, it just takes me out. I don't know why I I wish it didn't. I want to be, I mean, I still have my comic book collection from when I was a kid. I, you know, I went to see the, the original Hulk with Eric Bana and I was so excited and I just, I was underwhelmed by that film and I have been underwhelmed by every superhero movie. It's to me, it's just so predict, you know, I know what's going to happen and, and uh, uh, so it's hard. It's hard, but um, uh, you know, I loved the way it looked. I I mean, it was gritty and, and, uh, and, and dirty and, you know, rainy, which I loved. I loved that feel really dark. Um, and I I thought, I think Robert Pattinson is a great actor. Um, you know, he, he kind of, uh, got a bad rap there when he did, uh, all the, uh, what what was it? The, uh, the twilight stuff. Twilight. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he's a great actor. Um, yeah, it kind of surprised me. Okay. It was okay. Um, yeah. It surprised you. You liked it more than you thought you would. Well, I thought he, to me, 
um, it ran way too long. Yeah, yeah. I had a big thing with that. I think we all kind of agreed. Uh, well, except for my stepdaughter, she she thought the whole thing was interesting. I yeah. love the the premise, I guess, of it, and I thought uh, Robert Patterson did as close to Michael Keaton as I've seen, really. Yeah. Um, which surprised me. You know, he 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 did he did good with that role. And I, I, my expectations were not very high for him in that role, mm-hmm. but he exceeded what I was expecting for sure. But it, it was, man, it was almost three hours. I mean, I yeah, think I kept think having that, those false endings too. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, it's got what? Oh, we're, 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 we're going to go. We're still going, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I liked now, it, uh, you know, I liked it, but I think what I said was, yeah, it was it was good. It was a good one time watch just to to watch. It was not a bad movie in my opinion, but I yeah. probably wouldn't watch it again. My wife said the same thing. My stepdaughter said, "Well, I would watch it again." You know, yeah. how old's your stepdaughter? She's uh, seventeen. Oh, okay, but she yeah, is. My my son loved it, but you know, both of my boys loved it. They're sixteen. Okay, she's way into the Marvel stuff. Uh-huh. And I mean, when I say way into it, and I we love it too, but she's got us really into it. Right. You know, I, you notice Groot up here pointing it. Oh, Gilly. yeah, there he is. There, <laughs> <a> Gilly. <laughs> nice. You got one of the original cans uh, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I'm trying to think where that came from. I think it came from like we rent in the house we're at right now. And there's a shed out back. I think we found it in the shed. Oh, that's cool. Because the woman that lived here was from Texas. Is it, a, is it a pot? Like I used to, when I was a kid, I used to collect beer cans, you know? So, Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. there's, there's nothing in it, but it's never been open. Right. But oh, the, look, it's an old pool top too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, don't have a year. Well, we'll see. It says Spotsville Brewery Incorporated, Shiner, Texas. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought, man, what a good little thing right there. I, I've never even seen one, but it was just kind of laying, laying. Is it opened from the bottom? Is it? No, it's got. It's, it's, well, it's got nothing, just got nothing in it, huh? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, can That's, you imagine that we as kids, we survived the pool tops, you know, like we, we didn't cut our. We didn't, we didn't swallow them, you know. Ain't like, that something, really? Nowadays, nobody talks nowadays. about that. <laughs> All right. Nobody talks about that, but that's the truth. Those, right. What about the? What about the? Uh, the even the pop tops. Yeah. I mean, they you know how that would that would have to kill you if you swallowed one of those bottle tops because they were so sharp on the edges. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's just a thousand wonders that, <laughs> you know, we didn't have to wear helmets when we went riding our bicycles and right. We all ended up. Okay. It's, it's a safe world now. Yeah. But you just don't eat Tide Pods, you know? Yeah. That's, that's you all know. you got to do is not eat a Tide Pod and, and you should make it. And by the way, speaking of Gillies, you know, Mickey Gilly just passed. Oh, um, and I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, you know, I wanted Groot to kind of pay tribute to 
Yeah. Mickey Gilly there. Um, well, he's a legend. Oh, Ray Liotta just died. Can you believe that? Yeah, I saw that. And died in his sleep. Yeah. Did you ever, ever meet him or? Uh, that was that would that would have been a, a bucket lister for me. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Goodfellas uh, for us was. I mean, you know, that's to me. To me, that like that that's in my top five, ten films. You know, um, it, that's what I want to watch. I want to watch movies like that. Uh, movies with that are dialogue heavy and plot heavy as opposed to, you know, all the other stuff that goes on. Yeah. So. Are you into the Marvel stuff too? I mean, I know you were, you had, you kind of been a part of that, but yeah, I mean that it was fun uh, to play. Although they gave me this tiny little truncheon, you know, like in that episode of shield that I did, you know, Thor has this giant hammer. Mm-hmm. I, I, my hammer was like, you know, I was like, I had, you know, penis envy. (laughs) I had had, had hammer envy, truncheon envy. Um, But, uh, you had a penis pounder. Again, again, I, I, uh, I just can't, I can't, I, I'll watch it, you know, and, and I, but I, I just, most of the time I, it leaves me feeling cold, you know, it does, it doesn't move me, you know, are you, are you one, do you watch your, can you, do you feel comfortable watching yourself, you know, your own work? Yeah. You do? Well, yeah, I like to watch, I I just want to, I just want to know that I didn't make a dumbass of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if I'm playing a dumbass, right? Yeah. I want to know that I played a dumbass. The best you, yeah. The, the best dumbass that I could possibly be, and if I feel that that I pat that I it was passable and that I had done a good job, eh, I don't have a good t- uh, problem with it. I don't know if I've ever really watched and and been like, oh man, what was I doing there? I, I mean, I know I've had moments like that, but for the most part. You know, I think I've done a, a a pretty decent job through my career, you know. Oh, by far. By far, dude. Um, you know, going back to the wrestling thing, did you – is that something you just wanted to get into or did you watch, like, pro wrestling, you know, at home or kind of um, – My dad uh, – my dad was – was my my world man you know like my dad raised me by himself um i wanted to be just like my dad and uh at a young age he started taking me to uh high school wrestling matches he wrestled in high school uh uh for this the school that we both graduated from so when i was a real little kid he was taking me to wrestling matches he was taking me to football games um, and, uh, and I can remember going down after the matches and looking up at these, these guys and, you know, they had their wrestling uniforms on and before the m- match, they'd come out and they would do this thing and the crowd would go crazy. And I was just like, these guys were like, you know, 
superheroes. I mean, they, they were like real superheroes. You know, they had like they had tights and stuff on too, but sure the, the required uniform. Um yeah. and uh you know, I, I never really thought about that. Maybe that's because I at a young age I I admired, you know, guys in tights who actually were <laughs> true at you know truly you know putting it all on the line and so you know i started wrestling when i was in fifth grade wrestled all the way wrestled for 11 years but i i never um in my house uh wwe was it called wwe at the time i think it was wwf back when we were Back in the day, WWF, and then it became like an environmental thing or whatever. World, the wide world, the uh, wildlife federation or something. And they had to change it. Yeah. Um, But I did, I did see uh, Jimmy Superfly Schnooka back in the day. We went to the Canton uh, Civic Center, and I got to see it, and it, it was wild. It was wild, you know. So. But but uh but no, it's it's always been more collegiate Olympic wrestling uh, that that I've been interested in. Yeah, and of course, most people know, you know, it's totally different. You know, pro wrestling's like sports entertainment, actually. Yeah, you know, like they're they're like uh, acrobatic soap opera Stunt actors, stuntman, yeah. Stunt right? Yeah, and then. The kind of wrestling great athletes, you know, I'll take nothing away from. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very athletic, very choreographed uh, matches. You know, they some of these old timers like Snuka, you know, like Ric Flair, you know, they called it in the ring, uh, which is amazing to watch. If you go back and watch some of those from the 80s, especially like Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. Right. Calling spots while they're while they're in the ring and they know it's, it, there's a whole art to that, but now you're talking about, and most people know this, but for those that don't, this is actually grappling wrestling holes. This is actually wrestling yeah. the, on this level. This is not high spots and, and all the, uh, jumping off the top rope. There's no ring. I mean, it's, it's a whole different, a whole different deal. This is real wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Although I did get to do a, uh, I did a TV movie with Roddy Piper. Oh wow! What yeah. was the name of it? Uh, it was. Hold on, my one of my dogs wants to. This is this is the Cheech. Um, hey, buddy. Uh, huh? What? How, Cheech is his name. Yeah. Oh, he's a Chihuahua. I love dogs. Yeah, me too. We've got a Labradoodle, a Chihuahua, and uh, some kind of terrier. You know, we've res- we rescue our dogs. So yeah, up for the Labradoodle, the designer. Back when I was making a bunch of money and I was all fancy, we got a fancy dog. <laughs> um. Uh, it yeah, it was called uh, Three Wise Guys, and it was uh, uh, Nick Turturro, uh Judd Nelson, uh, Katie Segal. Oh wow! Uh, Tom Tom Arnold, 
and uh and 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 me <laughs> and so, roddy piper and roddy piper yeah yeah he was awesome man he was awesome wow so, that's uh that's interesting what year would that have been well uh, this was before i had kids so i mean probably at least 17 years ago yeah how was uh how was katie awesome you work with her yeah she's great yeah she's a hell of a singer yeah yeah i did not know this until the uh sons of anarchy i was yeah. like dude she is a great singer she's a triple threat i loved mary with children i still do i've got a no ma'am shirt actually <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's just a great thing and i i heard they're doing like a animated series. oh yeah yeah and I mean, she does all the like you know futurama and yeah. she's all she's everywhere she's everywhere you know she's married to kurt sutter mm-hmm. um sons of anarchy yeah my buddy shooter jennings had a, a song on that show and it it really it really got him a lot of, you know, uh, people tuned into him. He already had a big audience, yeah, you know, followers of his kind of own stuff he was doing. Really, nobody else was doing what he was doing. They still, they still ain't. But man, he, uh, yeah, he Musically? got a song there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's Waylon and Jesse's son, only son. Okay, yeah. He's badass. I saw, I saw David Allen Coe on your uh, on uh, your bio there too. Yeah, yeah, that's we, that's a good one. What about Hank Junior? Any any Hank any uh, brushes with Hank Junior? Uh not really. Um, you know, we've talked about Alabama football a little bit, which I know you love that. Uh-huh. Uh, just oozing Alabama football, you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like oh, we was talking before we got on the air. <laughs> yeah. No, I love Hank, though, man. And actually, me and Shooter, that's how, that's kind of how we – he's a big Hank Jr. fan. Of course, he's known Hank Jr. his whole life since he was born because right. um, of Waylon. Um, so he was kind of always around. But we are huge, like, fans, like, go deep on his – catalog um i've been to a lot of his shows i've only met him like a couple of times he probably wouldn't even remember but i know a lot of people that was in his band and on in his crew and kind of from the that day you know um david allen (laughs) co uh i've always been really interested in david he's uh man he's such an interesting cat you know he's got such an amazing childhood like i've even heard that i don't i don't know if it's true okay but i've heard that he taught charles manson how to play guitar in prison wow i don't know if that's true or not um but still what a what a thing to think about you know uh why why was david in prison I think he was just kind of 
it's it was like juvenile he was bounced around sort of these juvenile oh, oh, places so, yeah that makes sense when they were younger yeah he was really young and then he just was doing all kinds of stuff i think i don't know what all i'd have to like i'd have to look it up to even know what all um but i mean he was trouble you know mm-hmm. um i did a fundraiser after he had a wreck uh, this was uh what this is 2022 so this would have been around like uh 20 12 or 2013 maybe so nine or ten years ago it was in kentucky okay and it was at this uh there's a church on this side and the bar is right across from the church i'm not shitting you (laughs) of course it's called pope's house which is my last name Uh uh-huh and so the deal is they like they go get shit-faced at the bar on saturday night whoever's left over just kind of goes over to the church and the the um, the owner of the whole He's deal is a preacher the night before <laughs> it's like a one-stop shop heaven yeah, right. and hell you know on opposite ends of the spectrum yeah well david there was a lot of press there and everything because david it was a fundraiser for him to pay his uh medical bills and so uh i was on the show confederate railroad was on the show dallas moore was on the show uh and there was a Kentucky Headhunters, I think. There's a couple more. David, um, he had a cane. He was walking with a cane. And him and his wife, I was on the bus with uh, Danny Shirley, is the singer for Confederate Railroad. He's a good friend of mine. Danny's known David a long time. He used to play. Uh, Confederate Railroad kind of was David's backing band. Danny actually would book shows for him. Uh just all kinds of stuff. So David come up on the bus and Danny introduced me to him. And and I was talking to him and I said, man, I heard you wrote Jack Daniels, if you please, when you was 10 years old. And he said, well, no, I was nine and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Take that, kid. <laughs> and he starts telling me the whole story, but. Yeah, what a character he is. I mean, he's he's he was good. He had some great records, like just you know, deep deep stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I um I grew up in Northern Ohio, but I went to school in Southern Ohio, so I was considered a Yankee. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the demarcation from Northern Ohio to Southern Ohio, right? But I didn't know much. I didn't know much about. Uh, I mean, I knew about like to me, Glenn Campbell was uh, was country music, you know. But uh, when I went down to Wright State down in Dayton, um, started listening to Hank Williams Jr. and um, Randy Travis. Oh yeah, and um, uh, Char- you know Charlie Daniels had already had already been kind of mainstreamed by that time mm-hmm. but um that's when i kind of uh you know i bought a bought a pair of tony llama boots and and uh, uh kind of assimilated with uh, southern ohio and and started learning about a little bit more about that type of music so i i appreciate it 
I've always, I've always, my dad, again, has taught me, he was the one that kind of taught me to uh, appreciate music of all kinds. So I've yeah. always been a big, you know, fan of music. I th- I always thought I'd end up being a musician, you know, really anything else M- more than certainly more than an actor. I, you know, being an actor was just like, I, I didn't, you know, I was a wrestler football player, you know? Yeah. But, um, you play any instruments? Always, always loved music. You know, I, I started tapping my fingers when I was a kid and I realized that I, I could keep a, keep a beat, you know? So I always thought that I'd be a drummer. Um, I, I have a, I have a set of, uh, of, uh, uh, geez, uh, uh, Pearl, uh, there it's a Pearl export kit out in the, in the uh, garage that I, I go out there and bang around on it, but, um, I'm, I'm not nearly as good as I, as I wanted to be, but, um, you know, I like to sing and, and, uh, I like music. I, I appreciate music, musicians. And, you know, it's uh, my sister and I, again, since the passing of my father, you know, uh, I had people say, you know, your dad will, your, your dad will still speak to you, you know? And, um, absolutely. I, I want to believe that, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing my best to have a spiritual connection with, with God and, and, uh, and so my sister and I both, we realized that my sister said to me the other day, she's like, dad will speak to us through the music now. Um, because there are songs that come on the radio and my sister will call me and she'll be like, I was having, you know, I mean, my dad just died in March. So, but my sister was like, you know, I was having a day and all of a sudden this song came on the radio and it reminded me of dad. And I was like, there's dad, that's dad talking to me. Yeah. So I like, I like the idea of that, you know? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded to any wildest, you know, what most people would call a conspiracy. Uh, I'm pretty open-minded to any any of that because I've seen both sides of it. So I don't rule anything out. But yeah. since, since we've lost mama, we've had some weird stuff happen and there's no explanation for, for any of it really. Um, yeah. I'll give you a quick example just to, so you can kind of keep that door open to, yeah, there's no disputing. That's my dad, you know? Yeah. Okay. The night after she died, <clears throat> well, often you don't know exactly <laughs> when. <laughs> right, right. We're not really afraid, but it's just, it's like, just <laughs> pressed in there and yeah. ready to burst forth. Yeah, and sometimes it's like if they're sitting down a little too long on the counter, and you barely tear the paper, and they just blow everywhere. <laughs> and then sometimes it's like you tear the whole paper off, and they're still not, and you're afraid to pick it up because if you move, you know that kind of thing. Mama thought that was hilarious. And we had two cans of like Pillsbury grand biscuit dough in the refrigerator at our house. This is the night after she died. We're sitting there kind of talking about her. And all of a sudden we hear this big pop and we're like, what in the hell was that? And we go into the laundry room and I thought something fell off the wall or something. 
and nothing nothing's out of place we go in the kitchen nothing's out of place and we end up opening the fridge dude one of those cans of biscuits was just exploded in the fridge right now how does that even happen (laughs) especially in the fridge i mean in the fridge yeah exactly they were still the temperature hadn't changed i mean so you know that's mama that's the first thing you know, we talked about John Schneider a little bit before we come on the air. Yeah. John's mother was everything to him also. And, you know, me and him's talked a lot about uh, if they're around, you know, and he he fully believes that they are, too, because he's had some weird stuff happen. Yeah. So uh, uh, your dad is he's going to be around, man. I'm telling you, it's, it, you know, we're like our bodies are like energy. I believe in, in energy you can't yeah. destroy, they say. Right. Um, it just goes somewhere else. Goes somewhere else. Yeah. You know, I, I, my, uh, my story, uh, I have a, a quick little one. Uh, when when my, da- my dad was in hospice for six days, um, and I, I was with him for five of the days, and uh, I guess it was one of the last nights and um we were in his room it was mostly dark and uh you know i stayed i i I stayed in the room with him and then my sister came the last two nights and stayed in the room with us and and one night i was just sitting in there in the dark kind of with my dad and eating skittles i had some skittles my dad said you know, you have, you have candy. And I was like, yeah, yeah. he's like, what do you got? I was like, I got some Skittles. I was like, you want a Skittle? Cause he was having trouble swallowing. Um, he was cho- aspirating, uh, his, uh, anything that he drank or ate. And I was like, do you want, I can give you a Skittle. Do you want a Skittle? And, and he was like, sure. And I, I said, what, what flavor do you want? And he was like, what do you got? You know, so I told him all the different flavors and he goes, give me, give me an orange Skittle. So I gave him one orange Skittle and he ate that. And, and he was like, yeah, pretty, pretty good. He was having trouble tasting. He couldn't really taste anything. And I, I was like, can you taste it? Can you taste it? He's like, yeah, I can, I can taste it. So uh, after my dad had passed, um, I was flying home and, I was on the plane. I was, you know, man, I was having trouble on the plane. I was just, you know, thinking about, you know, the idea of my dad not being around anymore, not being able to talk to him and, and, and thinking about what people had said to me about him talking to me. And, um, I remembered I had some Skittles left over. So I, I took out the bag of Skittles. It was a pretty big bag, but they were almost gone. I was reaching in and eating Skittles, eating Skittles. I reached in, I grabbed the last, like I grabbed the rest of them and ate those. And then I was going to throw the bag away. And I, and I heard there was still a Skittle in there and I opened up the bag and there was one Skittle left in there. It was a, an orange Skittle. And I was just like, maybe that, maybe that's it. Maybe that's my dad just saying, you know, Ed, keep going, man, hang in there. And 
Yeah. And I, I kept it and like, I, I carry it with me, you know, in the, in the bag, like wherever I go now, I, I, love I carry that. it with me, you know? I love that. Yeah. So I hope my, I don't know if you can hear our bird over there chirping. I hope that's okay. Oh yeah. We don't, we, we here on picking it out, man. We just, all right. we just it's, it's we, all, all, it's all goes, whatever. <laughs> all <right. laughs> we want to, we want to feel like we're sitting, you know, in the, in the living room or just yeah. whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter about it. We're, we're, we're real here, you know? Right on. Oh, I, I can tell. That's a great story, dude. That's a really good story. I know your dad was just a, great guy you know i can just tell by the way you look and the way you talk about him and uh it's one of those things it's like uh i think maybe it'll get easier you know over time i feel like they take a piece of us with them oh yeah I, i'm changed i'm 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 forever changed by my dad's existence obviously um you know, my, my dad, my dad taught me to, uh, at a very young age, you know, when you, when you shake a man's hand, you get nice and deep, right. You get nice and deep Strong on that. And grip, you, look, yeah. you, you look them straight in the eye. Yeah. And, uh, he taught me a lot of good things. And, um, and, uh, you know, it's one of the first things I taught my sons, you know, when you shake a man's hand, get nice and deep. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. look them dead in the eye, and that it, it goes a long way, man. It does you know? and uh, so that's just the kind of guy he was. You know, he was um, he was a good dude and uh, funny, yeah. funny. Loved to sing, and uh, anyway, we'll we'll miss him. We miss him. Yeah. Oh, you, I'm sorry. You were saying that we, you take a, they take a piece of you with them. And I mean, I, the, since my dad's passing, as I said, when I was looking at my wife sitting next to me, I I'm thinking more along the lines of like, what, what is really important to me in this life? You know, like yeah. family, friends, a human connection, um, honesty, um, gratitude. Um, these are all things that I'm, and, and my, my 21 years in, in AA has also taught me about gratitude and, and, and stuff like that. But man, since the passing of my father, um, I guess it's really kind of set in, you know? Yeah. So stay, stay, strong with that you know don't 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 let any temptations creep in there you know because you've done it's been a hell of a long time and you know i I would hate to hate to know that because you take that one drink and it's like it's over you know yeah no i i do the math man i i go uh Cause you know, there are times when I'm sitting, my wife and I'll be sitting around going, you know, like looking at a beautiful sunset or whatever. And for, for whatever reason, instead of being able to just enjoy a beautiful sunset, we'll be like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could have a couple of beers or, you know, smoke a joint or whatever. And then we go, okay. 
So, <laughs> so let's, let's play it out. You know, let's mm-hmm. play it out. If we did that, you know, this could possibly happen. Then this, then this, then this, then next thing, you know, we're back you yeah. know, in the beginning and, and I have no desire to go, to go back there, you know? That's good. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, I guess, my gosh, I mean, we could, we could talk all day. Uh, I mean, I, after, I'm, I'm good to go as long, as long as you are after. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, after, you know, getting fired by your uncle, <laughs> yeah, going back to that, uh, you, what then you just do LSD and, uh, well, the girl that I was with, that's another thing, you know, touching back to my wife, I, I was, I was destined for bimbo. Um, like my, my, my girlfriends are, I need that on a shirt. <laughs> destined for bimbo. Um, you know, I was, uh, uh, a lot of strippers, um, a lot of broken, you know, female, because, I was, I wanted to save them and I could, I could fix them and I could make them better and give them a better life. And, you know, uh-huh. I mean, and, uh, you know, that was just an excuse not to look at my own stuff. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, if I could, if I, and, and I went through that with my mom too, cause my mom was very broken and, uh, I was always trying to, you know, make my mom better which was a, was a exercise in futility that, that I didn't, I didn't realize until I, you know, got sober and, and, uh, pulled my head out of my ass. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, the girl that I was with that I moved out to California with was a stripper and she would, she would come back from Houston. She was from Houston. So she'd come back from Houston with, you know, a sheet of acid and we would just take acid and all this stuff. And, oh. and she, she left, she, she took off back to Houston one day. She, she went back for her birthday and I was like, okay, babe, well, you know, call me when you get down there. And I basically never heard from her again. And <laughs> nah. I, mean, I was, you know, I, I was broken in many, many ways uh, at that time. So, um, she, she was gone. Um, you know, my job with my uncle was over my, my reputation and my relationship with my, all my extended family because of my, my uncle and, you know, cause it was my mom's sister. So it was my, my uncle through marriage. And, uh, I mean, everything was bad. Uh, but I, you know, I smoked weed and and played frisbee on the beach for a year, collected unemployment, um, and then uh, uh, moved from West Los Angeles into Hollywood. That's my my uncle was like when he fired me. He was like, "Man, you need to. I, I don't know. You you have these Hollywood friends, and you need to move to Hollywood. I think." And so uh, I moved to Hollywood, and my my the first friend I had in Los Angeles was Bill Maher. And uh, do you know who Bill Maher is? I've heard that name, but I can't place a, a face. Yeah, Bill, a- Bill Maher, uh, he has a show on HBO. Anyway, he's a big political guy. Okay. 
but uh, at, at the time, um, he was really the only, I mean, and the way that I became friends with him is a, is a whole other crazy story. I'll, I'll go quickly into it and, yeah. and then we can, we can expand if you want to. But uh, when I was in college, my best, my, after I quit wrestling, um, uh, I, I became reacquainted with an old high school buddy who was one of my best friends in high school and he was at Ohio state. And uh, he was the number one uh, cocaine and ecstasy dealer in in the city of Columbus. Good title. I, didn't, I, I didn't know this until we started hanging out again, and he he pulled out a you know a kilo of cocaine. Um, but um, he decided he wanted to be a stand up comedian, so he and I started traveling all around like West Virginia and Kentucky and little states around Ohio doing these crappy little, uh, uh comedy, comedy clubs. clubs. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember, I remember one time sitting in a, we were in like West Virginia and I, I overheard the table next to, to me and I heard the guy go, look, he even brought his little boyfriend with him, mm. you know, like, cause we were like city slicker. Yeah. Know, uh, Stuck out like a sore thumb uh, as we say big, here in Alabama. Big, big, big time, big time. And, um, so he had met he had met Bill down in Houston uh, after one of Bill's shows, and uh, and uh, so when I moved to California, um, I I called Bill up and I said, "Hey man, um, I'm in California, and we met at this place called the Trader Vic on Santa Monica Boulevard and uh, or Wilshire, I guess." Um, and ended up, you know, back at his house in the hot tub with two uh, two girls from the the Budweiser bobsled team. Remember those commercials? The yeah. Bu- Budweiser bobsled. Oh yeah. So, so I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I've made it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I made it, bro. And so, uh, you know, when my uncle said, "You've got these Hollywood friends," that that was kind of it. But I. I moved to Hollywood and then eventually started working in production as a production assistant, you know, mm-hmm. um, sweeping up cigarette butts, getting people their coffee, you know, yeah. picking up all the heavy stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I'll never forget the day they gave me my, my walkie talkie. That was another one of those, I made it moments. I was like, dude, now I'm important. Yeah. Cause chicks love, you know, if you gotta, <laughs> oh, hold on, man. Uh, ten four, ten four. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. and and uh, and uh, I, I was doing a, I was working on a Pringles commercial, and they were on the beach, and there was a young kid riding a uh, a skateboard, and I had to, I had to pull his skateboard across the frame. It was, uh, and that was my job, and and the kid would be like, "Hey, man." He was like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, he's like, you should be doing what I'm doing. And I was like, oh, I don't, you know, and at the end of the day, he drove off in his brand new Jeep with, you know, this is how I remember it, you know, with a couple hot chicks. And I walked over to my jalopy. It was an old uh, Caprice <laughs> classic with the back window <laughs> broken out. Yeah. And I was like, huh, <laughs> maybe, mm. maybe there's something to this. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I got it. I got into acting class and was 
tinkering around with acting class, but I was still drinking and doing drugs. I used to, I, I like to smoke crack, which uh, was probably, I mean, that's where, it, that's where I ended up. That, yeah. that, that was my, that was my bottom. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and I used to go to this, I used to go to this crack house and uh, May and Terry, they were the, they were two of the heaviest set crackheads that I've ever seen in my life. And they, they, they would shut down the crack house when I would come because they knew I, I was bringing money. Wow. And so um, one day they, one day they stopped me and said, you know, we're worried about you. you know, <laughs> wow. The owners of the crack house <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> told me that they thought I was, they were like, Ed, you're sprung, man. You, you're sprung. You're smoking too much. And I was like, well, what, what do you mean? <clears throat> you know, how dare you? Um, wow. So I was, uh, I had been up for like 48 hours or whatever. And I called my acting partner in the morning Cause I knew I wasn't going to make rehearsal that day. And I just was like, Oh yeah, man, I'm not feeling so good. I think I've got the flu or whatever. And he said, you know what, Eddie, I'm going to find another acting partner because um, you're not, you're not serious about this. And I am. Mm. And, uh, and that was a, that was kind of a touchstone moment for me. I was like, you know, the, the, uh, the clouds kind of opened up that there and, and uh certainly that was one of them where I was like, yeah, maybe I need to, maybe I need to change my life. And, um, so, uh, I did, I, I, I started getting sober and I, and I relapsed a few times and slipped and slid and did this and that. But, um, but basically I was on the, I was on the path to sobriety mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and then once that happened, things started to happen for me, you know, and, and, uh, I got an, I got Rick, my manager through class and got an agent and started, uh, booking, uh, ironically, my first, my first real money job was I did this, uh, Coors Light campaign where, uh, we were giants in the Rocky mountains playing football and so, you know, you catch, I'd catch the ball and jump over the mountain and okay. catch the Rockies, Coors Light. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I did the, I did the football commercial and the bowling commercial. And, um, you know, I, I still lived in a crappy apartment, but the rent was paid and I still had a jalopy, but there was, you know, gas in the tank yeah. know, for the first time in my life, I was actually um, you know, taking care of myself and paying my own bills with my own money. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I stayed sober and I, I got very, very lucky, man, which is, again, it was why I've always been so grateful to have been, you know, I mean, I, I was basically voted most likely to end up in jail. Mm. Um, and so to be able to have that kind of success and to be able to have an opportunity to give myself a chance to, to have some success, you know, I, I, I forgave myself and, um, and really started being clear about what I wanted from life and who I wanted it to be.
Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, uh, the production assistant, was that, is that like a, uh, are you like a 1099 contractor? Yeah, independent contractor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you go just from job to job, which, which kind of, um, got me, uh, used to the idea of going from job to job as an actor. Yeah. You know, which, (laughs) you know, in the end has been, as I look back, I mean, it's made me, I, I, I already had the mental toughness thing from my wrestling. So I think that helped me a lot, but certainly man, you know, uh, you know, that the instability of never knowing when your next job was going to ha- happen and what your next thing was going to be ha- has been, uh, as a father, certainly has been <laughs> less fun oh, yeah. than, than it was uh, when I was single, you know? Yeah. Whole different ball game there. Yeah. Because, you know, these kids are dependent on you, you know, to keep them fed and just to have a home. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it's like you take them to the doctor when you need to. It's uh, when you're work, you know, you're by yourself. It's a whole yeah. different thing. It's like yeah, I can get by, you know, for six months maybe, and yeah, you know, uh, collect some unemployment. Yeah. No big deal. Um, I mean, you know, the dole is what saves actors when they're between jobs. You know, you know. Uh, but the dole doesn't really do much for you when you have, you know, a house, two kids, wife, cars, all that. Yeah. You, uh, whenever you got your agent, um, I guess that's how you got your actually first on screen role. Yeah. Um, this was when I was still doing commercials and um, I had been, because I had no resume to speak of my commercial agent had to kind of slide me into the agency without, without the knowledge of the heads of the, of the agency, because they would have been like, Oh, this guy doesn't have any, you know, he doesn't have any credits or anything. So they, they put me, they hip pocketed me in the dance department and which I didn't really know about. And I found out, you know, that I was in the dance department and I remember being to my, to Nathan and my agent at the time, I was like, bro, have you ever seen me dance? Because <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you know, I could do the white boy shuffle and that was, you know, I could you know, do the white boy underbite and stuff, but that was pretty much it. And, uh, so, um, he called me one day and he goes, man, I have this audition for, for young and the restless and it's for, it's to dance. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I told you, man, I am not, <laughs> not a dancer. And he goes, just go. It's got, you've got lines and just try and, you know, just try it, have fun. So I showed up at this audition and, you know, there are all the, all the other guys were there. They're like, you know, doing their dancing stretches and their whatever. And, the, and I was like, you know, I'm a wrestler. I was like, man, my dad could see, you know, I, I, I was just like, 
I don't know about this whole acting thing. Yeah. And so they went down the line and they like, okay, you. And then he kind of did his thing and you did his thing. And they got to me and they're like, okay, you. And so all I started doing was the Spicoli from um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> yeah. And I'm standing there doing the Spicoli and the, the, these two women that were cast and they, they started laughing. They were oh. like, Oh my God, where, who are you? Like, what, what are you, what are you doing? And I go, man, I don't know, but I'm, I'm having a good time. And, uh, and I, I got the job. Wow. You know I mean? And that was kind of, mm. for me, a through line for the rest of my career was man, like, I don't, I may not really know what I'm doing, but I'm having a good time. And, yeah. uh, and, and that comes uh, across. Yeah. I learned to just be myself. You know, I was like, I'm just, I am who I am. Just be my authentic self and don't try and put on any, you know, don't try and bullshit people. Cause especially yeah. out here, they see right through it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope you don't, I apologize. I just swore. So, no, um, man, like I said, just, you say whatever you want to. But uh yeah, so on my uh was on my birthday, I guess maybe nineteen ninety seven, my Young and the Restless aired. And uh for the first time I got to actually speak on uh on camera. And I remember I in the in the dialogue I added this Elvis thing. I was like we had to we were at the club at a bar or something and the, these girls came over and asked or i asked the, them to dance and then, and then i and they, and i did this like on the dance floor baby you know <laughs> like out of nowhere you know again it was like just being myself you know just that's the kind of stuff i would do in life and be like yeah baby we're gonna right and um and uh so um i was off to the races and and i did i had to dance on the dance floor and it was embarrassing <laughs> and you know someday i'll find the clip and and further embarrass myself by posting <laughs> it to one of my social media sites oh yeah you got to yeah so yeah. so now you had something on your resume yeah so i'm sure yeah. it's kind of gets a lot or a little easier from there at least for you know, spots on some well-known shows. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing was class because when I, when I got sober, I basically lost, you know, 87% of my friends because I was no longer doing the things that they were, we didn't have anything in common anymore. Yeah. Um, They're real friends. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I got in, I was in class. And so instead of going every, you know, Thursday, I would go Monday through Thursday, I would go every day and audit the other classes. And, mm. um, and I did good work, man. And so this guy um, that was in class, he went to his manager and said, you should see this kid, you should meet with this young kid in class, I think he's got something. And uh, I met with that that man, and that man was uh, Rick Bedingfield, who you've spoken with. And, uh, you know, Rick said to me, he goes, you know, normally I wouldn't take somebody that had virtually no experience. I mean, by that time, I was 27. I didn't even start till I was like 27. Mm. And uh, and he said, but I, I, have a, I have a good feeling about you, and I'm willing to take a – 
take a take a risk with you and um you know the first audition that Rick got me I went to network for it was going to be a spin-off of uh of uh married with children and it was going to be kind of a take on friends and the show was called enemies and it was a bunch of kids living together that they couldn't stand each other, you know, like where friends was like, we all look, you know, it was the anti friends. Wow. And, uh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And it was a, it was, it was going to be, um, it was going to be, uh, part of a married with children episode that they were going to then spin off to its own show. Hmm. And, um, I didn't, I didn't get it, but I went to network, which is, uh, you know, uh, one of the most terrifying things that, you know, you can do as a human being. I, I was, I was making like $400 a week as a working my ass off as a, as a production assistant. And then before you walk in for your network test, you sign your contract. My contract was for 25,000 a week. Wow. And that kind of puts the, you know, that puts the, cause you go, well, my life will change forever. It will be forever changed. Yeah. I was going to make more in one week than my dad was making in a year at that time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, so, um, it's, it's a, it's a wild experience and I've had, I've had good tests and I've had some, some bad tests, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's wild because I'm, I'm, I'm like a, 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 I've always been kind of a look at me guy, except for when you then decided to look at me and then I'm like, Hey man, what are you looking at? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, so there's this weird thing. Like I, I, I I want, I want attention, but at the same time, when I get it, uh, I'm not comfortable with it. So I mean, Hey, what, what should I be an actor? Of course. So yeah. Yeah. Weird dichotomy there. Well, that's an interesting thing of the spinoff with uh, Mary with children. Was there going to be any original uh, Mary with children? Uh, I assume. Yeah. Cause we were going to, we were going to be, it was going to be a part of a married with children episode. Okay. Where they was... introduced all the characters. So I'm I'm assuming we would have probably met through you One know, the... maybe Bud or yeah. the, the the daughter or or um and yeah. then carried it over. So I'm sure they to to get this show up and running, they would have had some of the main characters come over into the show, you know. So how does that work? Do you basically your agent says, Well, we have a did they have a script developed for enemies? Yeah. And you just did a, a screen test. Yeah, I did uh I did like two scenes from the script. Okay. And you know, you 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 walk into the the network studio head's office and there's 20 executives and- sitting in his office. And you're and they're like you know dance monkey boy, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you you gotta you gotta dance. And um, like I said, I've I've had good ones and I've had not so good ones. Um, but uh, but it's rough, man. <laughs> it's it's rough. 
I mean, not like it takes you back to like, give me a reason to drink, man. (laughs) Yeah. Walking out of there. I mean, I walked out shaking, shaking. Well, for, you know, for people that don't understand really uh, how some of that works, you actually never even made it to film the pilot episode. It never even went that far, right? Correct. Okay. So the, the whole idea just was basically never, none of it was ever done, but it it was just a plan to go in and pitch it to these executives. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they, it had progressed to the point obviously where they were testing uh, for the, for the show. So I think they had every intention of uh, casting the show and doing the show. I just, I don't, for whatever reason, um, I think, uh, maybe they, they couldn't find the cast that they wanted. And I mean, you know, that's another thing about, you know, when you're, (laughs) when you're an, okay, let's say you want to be an actor. Okay. I want to be an actor. So you go in, you're like, okay, um, I, I got to get into class and so you get into class and you're like, okay, now I've got to get an agent and you, then you get an agent and then you're like, okay, I want to get an audition. So then you get an audition and then you, you're like, boy, I, I hope I get called back. I'm, I'm so worried. I hope we get, and then you get called back and then you're, you're, I mean, it's, it's just, it never ends. I mean, even if you get the, let's say you get the audition, you go to the network, you get the show, you're on the show. Now you're worried about if the show's going to get picked up mm-hmm. and if the show gets picked up, that it doesn't mean you're out of the woods yet because then you got to worry about if the show's going to stay on the air. Yeah. And, and, you know, so the only time in my career after 25 years that I've ever had any type of job stability, I would say it was like season three of warehouse 13. Cause wow. we had, done, we had done two seasons. We were the number one show uh, in the history of the network. And I was like, I could relax, yeah. you know? So for that year, I, I had like some job stability, yeah. but otherwise it's been, you know, it's always been, and that's just my path. I mean, there are actors out there that have gone from show to show to show to show and had successful shows. Um, but that just wasn't my path. You know, yeah. someone once wrote of me, uh, Eddie McClintock has done more pilots than a stewardess. Um, because I, I did pilot, pilot, show, show, pilot, show, and, and none of them, you know, warehouse 13 was the only one that went past season one. And, and, uh, while it was very, uh, popular in that niche, um, it didn't give me the kind of visibility that, I would have had, had I been doing a show on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, yeah. you know, um, you know, back then those were the networks. Oh this yeah. Was, yeah. This for sure. Before you know, Netflix and all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, I guess, you know, that's why I'm, I'm where I'm at. You know, yeah. I've had, I've had a lot of success and I'm grateful for my success, but you know, my, my bank account says to me that I, I, 
wish that I had had more success, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's, it's music is a lot like that. Uh, it's, it's interesting how all of our worlds kind of intermingle, you know, and it's totally different, but at the same time, it's really the same. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, these damn executives in, a, in an office somewhere dangle shit over all of our heads. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it, it's like, who's gonna, who's gonna, you know, kiss ass the most is, is a lot of them, you know, thoughts and, you know, who's gonna, who, who do you know? Like, yeah, that's a big part of it. Oh, yeah. I've never been an ass kisser. I just don't have it in me. And I click better with people as far as working with people that are kind of like me, like-minded people. And they also know about me that I'm not going to kiss their ass or, you know, some executive or whatever. I mean, you know, I've had opportunities to have big record deals uh, once or twice. And it's just like, I can't I can't sell myself to that level knowing how much control I'm going to lose over my own uh work, art, life, right. songs, uh image. Uh, you know, they want you to wear a certain thing. I mean, it's down to the, you know, um they just have all the say and I don't I don't I don't like that, but you know, they uh, us starving artists, man. Yeah. Well, you you've done pretty well for yourself, man. So, congr- you mean congratulations to you? But I, I hear I'm, you on that on that uh, reluctance to to kiss ass. I I've tried to I've I've kissed a few asses. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I I played the game, um, but I I was never willing to play. I just was like you know, like the red carpet and all that. And it yeah. just, just seems, I, I just wasn't, it's not in me, man. You know, like I, I, I like doing the acting. I, it's, it's fun. I can make a bunch of money at it. I was good at it, but a lot of the other stuff that comes with it, I, I, and again, I, I guess I would probably be further along had I been willing to, uh, you know, pucker up uh, a little more voraciously um, than I, than I have been. But, but at the same time, it's like, if you think about, okay, well, they're wanting me to, you know, they want you to compromise actually who you are, what got you to that big table with 20 people sitting there. They want you to compromise who you are and, and just fake it basically. Um, for the sake of their own egos, I feel like a lot, not everybody, not everybody, but a lot of them. Yeah. The majority of them, the ones that are really big wigs, that's got the, the, uh, longer ties, you know, right. They, man, I mean, every one of them I've met, they're, they're all the same. And it's unfortunate because they take advantage of people in our positions uh a lot it happens a lot and a lot of people get these big advances when they sign record deals for example then they end up even having to pay it back 
uh, or their album that they recorded, you know, that they used the money, the $250,000 or whatever, you know, their album gets shelved because their single didn't sell enough or whatever. And now they're they're in worse debt than they were exactly when when they started out because they they spent the money and probably bought a house and I went through all that man I I went through you know we were making money you know I was making money for Rick I I continued to you know, my, I'm, I had plenty of failures, you know, I had shows that were on and canceled and on and canceled, but it, there was still this progression. I was still getting paid. I was still in the rooms. I was still getting hired. And, uh, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, being an old straight white male in this town, um, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say that I'm basically persona non grata, but, you know, I am not who they're looking for anymore. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, the the houses are gone, the cars are gone and, you know, the fancy clothes, you know, we, my wife and I were, wearing Prada and Gucci and had the shoes and all the stuff and it's all gone and that's okay. You know, that's, I, I did it. I had it. Right. I was there. It was, it was cool for a while, but again, as I said earlier, you know, especially with the passing of my dad, I just got to go, man, what is, what is important to me yeah. in this, in this life that I'm, you know, I, I, I look out at the world now and, man it's oh yeah it's so crazy in the world right now and and i'm just like (laughs) you know i just want to move to like tennessee or you know utah or uh you know wyoming or somewhere and just my wife wants to have horses and and you know i'm just like man as long as i as long as I have basic cable and internet, and, you know, uh, I could, I have a movie theater that I can go to. Um, I, I'll pretty much be okay. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, that shit, I, that shit doesn't mean anything really. Especially yeah. I've not had it, but you have. And, you yeah. know, a lot of, a lot of my friends have, and yeah. it really doesn't mean it's material stuff, man, and you can't take it with you when you go. And it ain't, it ain't, it ain't what life is. It isn't you know? It's not like your life's gonna just drastically, you know, be like, oh, if I can't wear my Gucci shoes, you know, if I if I, if I just know they're not sitting there in the closet getting dust on them, you know, then my yeah. life's over. It's not like that. Yeah. Uh... I was no happier then than I, than I yeah. am now, frankly. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was more money, more problems basically. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's another, that's, that's another thing. I mean, you spend more and yeah, more problems. Spend uh, more, you, which means you got to make more. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm, you know, being uh uh, ungrateful or poor me, poor me. I, I don't oh, know. Oh no, not I at all. 
not like a pussy, but uh, you know, it's just like I said, man. I had some fun days when that when I was younger, and and you know, I mean, I'm still getting auditions. Um, and as long as I continue to get auditions, I'll stay in the game. Um, I uh, I directed my first film a few weeks ago. Oh, awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Do you know who Dean Kane is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John's friends with him. Oh, yeah. Well, Dean um, Dean and I have been friends for a few years. And, and when things started, like, getting weird in Hollywood, yeah. um, for me, I, I went to Dean because Dean does uh, a, a lot of these uh, faith-based films. Yeah. And uh, I just said, you know, hey, Dean, man, um, if there's ever, if you ever need, if you ever need a guy to, you know, come in and, and uh, help out, I'm around and Dean hooked me up with this uh, company. Um, and uh, I did a few films with them. And then the, the, uh, the owner of the company, um, he just said, man, I love the way you are with these young actors. When you're on the set, would you direct one of my films? Awesome. And uh, for the first time, in years, I felt like I was able to be creative and 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 artistic again. And, and you know, we, we shot for two and a half weeks, and it was you know fourteen hour days, and it was exhausting. But man, I loved it. I loved it. And so, you know, hopefully there's a there's a new door open for me there. I think there is, um, and and I I think that. Uh, I think I can be good at it as well. Now, is that finished wrapping? Uh, we, we wrapped production, but uh, it's in post now. So it'll be in post for probably seven, seven months or so, maybe a little less. Yeah. But I'll, I'll let you know, man. It's a true story about, um, you know, about faith, you know, and, and, and the fact that, it's okay to have faith and, and it's okay. You, you know, like you, you can believe what you want to believe and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be ashamed to feel one way or the other. And you shouldn't be put down for, for, you know, feeling one way or the other. Yeah. And, and honestly, I got, I'll tell you, man, I went through a time in my life where, cause I grew up Catholic and you know, the nuns were terrible to me when I was a kid, they used to put me in a, a literally put me in a box in, in the room and, and box me off from the rest of the class. And wow. so I went, I, I went through a period in my life where, and then, you know, I hear, I hear about, you know, the, this, this, you know, religious figure that did all these terrible things by stealing money from the congregation and, and uh, so I moved away from, um, you know, having faith. I, I moved away. I moved so far away that, you know, I used to think that I had this arrogant idea that, you know, people who have faith were just, you know, they believed in ghosts and, you know, this this very um, dismissive idea of people uh, that had faith. And then as I got a little older and, you know, I met some more people and I met some, some of the best people that I know that, man, they have faith and like, who am, who am I to judge what they believe in? 
Yeah. And, 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 um, so I kind of have traveled back into this place in my life where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm looking like, you know, with the thing with my dad and the Skittle and, you know, my, my friend, um, who I work with on these films, she says she has very strong faith. And she's like, Eddie, man, you just, there are no coincidences that this thing with the Skittle, that's not a coincidence. This us working together is not a coincidence. It's not. And, and, and you just have to believe that there's a plan. And, you know, I, I, uh, I want to believe that. And I, I'm searching for, for that understanding, you know, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy that goes from where I was to being like, Oh, Hey, God bless you. And, you know, cause I feel that's hypocritical, you know, like I, I don't, I, I, until I'm, un- until I'm there, until I truly feel like I've reached that point. Um, you know, I, I just try and, and ask questions, man. You know, I keep my ears open and I ask questions. So yeah, that's that's it, it's uh it's it seems like you know even people that have had faith their whole life or went to church or you know believed in a certain uh type of religion and uh of course believe in God and, and pray and all that which I I have my whole life and I've always had faith but right now the way the world is man it's like damn it's a lot of people have lost faith. Oh, <laughs> they've, yeah. they, they, they have they have had it, and they've lost it. They've lost faith in God and faith in humanity. Yeah, we're going through so much crap, and I just try to, you know, always pray that God just keeps making a way for me and my family, um, and for uh, healing. Uh, for the losses that we endure and just uh, for good things to happen and for us to be taken care of, man. And, you know, I, I try to hold on to it. I think it is important to hold on to it. And I think it's important for, uh, you know, I'm glad that you're open to those, even the questions that you have. Yeah that you want, you're trying to seek answers. You're trying to find it because they are out there. And I believe what your friend said, nothing is a coincidence. I really believe that, you know? uh, Yeah. Well, I, after these kids just got killed down there in Texas, um, I wrote my friend and I, I, I was like, so how, how do I reconcile um god's plan with the murder of these kids um and you know she said eddie we live in an evil world and god has given man a choice and you know we we either move closer to god or we move further away from god It, it god is there it's just what we choose to do and you know i mean that makes sense to me. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, there's the argument of like, well, if there was God, then, then why would he allow this to happen to these kids? Yeah. And, and, you know, like 
if you say, well, but he he has given mankind a choice, mm-hmm. and, free will, uh, and, and free will, free will, and um, anyway, you know, I'm. Well, it's 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 a good I'm thing. On the path, brother. I'm, you know, I'm I'm on the path at least. You yeah. know, and I like I respect that you, like you said, you don't want to feel hypocritical, uh, and just kind of go through motions that you're, but yeah. you're actually really wanting to and start and start talking the talk just yeah, yeah. so that I can be part of the club, you know? Yeah. I respect that. Um, thank you. Just keep looking for that. Keep, keep searching and, you know, shoot me a text anytime too. Cause I, I could talk through some stuff with you that I've experienced. Thanks man. Uh, anytime you want to, um, thank you. Man, we're having a damn therapy session today. I feel like. <laughs> right. I feel like How much you know, do I owe you, Doc? I feel like humming Goose Fraba, you know, or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, I, I want to uh, talk a little bit, too, about the Friends thing, because Friends was such a damn huge show. And the episode that you got on was one of the most popular ones, probably, I, I think. It's the one where Rachel has a baby, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a two-parter. So there were two. I actually did two episodes. Yeah, um, and they were the. It was the uh, season finale uh, that year. So they did two parts, um, and uh, they had uh, that year was the year that they signed their million-dollar uh, uh, an episode contract, which at the time was the the biggest exist in existence. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so they were making a million dollars a week and I was making, you know, just enough to get my, my jalopy home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but man, um, very exciting. My, uh, the girl who I eventually married my, my wife, um, I actually met her at an AA meeting and, um, and I had this little bungalow overlooking the uh, uh, overlooking the sunset strip. And I, and I was like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to be on friends this, this, <laughs> this Thursday. Uh, you want to come over and watch it? And friends was her favorite show. She's, uh, she always says to me, she's like, that's not why I came up to your house. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of, she's like, no, but uh, we, we had a viewing party up in my, up in my little bungalow and, and uh, yeah, I mean, geez, what what an exciting, you know, I mean, I, I constantly was going, ha, ha, I was going to, I want to write a book called Who Are You and How Did You Get In Here? Um, because I always felt like, how did this happen? Like, how did I end up here? You know, from yeah. Ohio wrestler, football player who never actually considered, like, I didn't go to Juilliard. I didn't go to NYU. I didn't like, you know, um, I, I did study. I did study really hard once I, once I got in. Um, um, but, you know, I mean, I've gotten to work with some people and I still, you know, I'm just like, man, you know, this is cool. And, and I'm lucky and I'm grateful, you know, to, to be here. I can tell you are. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, you know, like when I was doing warehouse 13, I, 
you know, it, it costs like $3.2 million an episode to make that show. Mm. And all of a sudden I was the star number one on the call sheet. So I was like the mayor of warehouse 13, right. You know, mm-hmm. I was shaking mm-hmm. hands, kissing babies, welcoming people to the set, making sure everybody was. And every day that I showed up to work, I'd be like, Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? You know? Cause I was like, just like the coach of the team. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause I, I've been to the crack house. Mm-hmm. I've seen the crack house. I've, I've been to the bottom. You've had the, you've had the crack house concerned. (laughs) That's right. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, who, who, who can tell that story? Um, it's great. (laughs) But, uh, so to be able to run around and eat cookies and lick things and press buttons and have a ball and, uh, I mean, who who could possibly complain about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm always just like, I look at these actors that are, you know, like, that just are assholes. And yeah. I just like, how can you possibly be such an asshole? Yeah. When you are, you have been given the keys to the city, man. You know, like you have it all. And and again, it just goes to show that success, mm-hmm. money, things, you can have everything and just be completely empty inside. Absolutely. And you know, it's what sucks really bad about kind of getting to a certain point in your career and kind of getting to, uh, you know, meet and especially make friends with some of the people you grew up uh, just as stars, you know, and now you're, you're, you're kind of feel like you're on their level somewhat some of them yeah and when you get into that finding the one person that just lets you down like i always thought about meeting this person but i wish i hadn't of now that the old uh, never meet your heroes thing yes that that has only happened to me a couple of times fortunately same here same here same here I've had, I've had pretty, I've had pretty good experiences. I mean, like for instance, I, um, when I, when I was little, we used to watch Saturday night live every was the original, not ready for primetime players. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, Jim yeah. Curtin, Bill Murray, Gil Radner, Bill Murray, I mean, Chevy. you know, Ch- Chevy Chase and, and, uh, and, uh, then here I am years later playing uh, Jane Curtin's son on a network TV show on ABC. Yeah. I, I mean, when I was a little, little kid, I used to do all the lines to the show. And, you know, that was one of the things I would do to make my mom to try and get my mom to laugh. You know, my mom was very, very depressed when I was a kid and, so for me, you know, to get my mom to laugh, so I just would do all these impersonations and do all this stuff. And, you know, like, wow, everything had come to this place where I'm in Hollywood, California, on the set of a TV show with Jane Curtin. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so as I said, man, you know, it, great, grateful you know, it's hard. It's been harder to be great, grateful 
the last few years because, you know, the business has just changed so much. And, you know, like all of a sudden I am being excluded because of the color of my skin mm-hmm. and, and uh, the fact that I'm all these things that I had nothing to do, you know, uh, with like my age and my skin color and my sexuality and, mm-hmm. uh, um, we're there. It's, it's hard not to, it's hard not to, uh, take it personally because it's, 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 you know, it, it's all personal. It's, it's me. Yeah. Know? Yeah. My, my business is me, your livelihood, your, your everything. I mean, it's, it is, and 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 it it's it's not something you can. It's you. It, it's not something like you're you're trying to be offensive or trying to be like you know. I quit worrying about offending people. I really hadn't never worried about it. I, I've not had much of a filter my whole life. I, same, same. I just, I, I may have more of a filter now than I ever have, but I still don't have much of one. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of people, man, that's got common sense. And they feel the same way we do. You know, I feel like uh, when they when they talk about, like, the most people in the world, like, if you hear that on the news or something, it, it's really don't mean but just a, a few people. The, are, the loudest voices. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of us that still have uh, sense enough to know kind of what's going on and that it's all really like a dog and pony show, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of good in the world still, and you don't hear about it. You don't see it. No. And you hear the bad stuff. and. Yeah, information is moving too quickly and and the the information that the information givers choose to uh provide us with as you said it's all yeah, divisive and it's it's all destructive and yeah um you know uh I mean, who, you know, the old saying, if it bleeds, it leads, right? So, you know, it's based on the premise of who wants to hear a a good hearted story. Yeah. Which is, which is why I love doing these, um, these faith-based films because they're, they're all, I mean, they don't, these films don't beat you over the head with scripture. They don't beat you over the head with the Bible or with how you need to be or how you shouldn't be that they're just good stories, like stories that at the end you go, Oh man, cool. Like that person grew or that person learned something or, or, you know, that person's world was opened up. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, man, bring more stories like that into the world. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, as you said, you know, we, we, as a, as a nation and as a world, um, have moved away from God, you know, 
Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, when you, when you don't have anything to hope for and believe in, what do you have? That's pretty bleak, man. Yeah. What do you have? You know, I've always wanted to believe like people, people say, you know, you're going to see your dad again. You're going to see your dad in heaven. And, uh, and I've, and I'm like, man, I would love to believe that, you know, it would, it would, it would certainly take the pressure off of, you know, like mourning the loss of someone who dies tragically. Cause if you can, if you have, if you believe that, man, I don't need, I will see them again. It, it makes your life. It takes the, the weight off, you know? Yeah. So, man, like I said, I don't know. Sorry, I don't mean to be back here, but no, you know, man, I, I'm, that's... I'm, 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 I'm looking for the, I'm, I'm looking for the light, Carol Ann. so well there's a reason there's a reason you know that it keeps coming back to that and just like there's a reason for everything man and it's just uh, you know you're probably we we, we're relating to each other too because i lost mama last year you lost you just lost your dad march so uh i think there's just like a um like a sense of we're we're trying to figure out how it's going to be okay still you know uh without even really without even really knowing it maybe yeah and i think it is going to be okay by the way uh you know it's is what it is and i believe we will see them again one day um I don't feel like if you believe otherwise that you're wrong and I hope your family dies if you don't believe the way that I believe. You know, we have a lot of that crap going on too. Right. And that is just very, very uh, evil thinking to me. Uh, a lot of these Hollywood people, man, is just, I don't, I don't get that. You know, we've all, why can't we agree to disagree on things? I don't understand. Yeah. We used right. to be able to it's do that. It's highway or the highway now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It really is. And it's a, it's a scary thing. But, uh, well, and this, this, what we're doing right here is, is a lost art. It is. Being able to just sit and shoot the shit. And, yeah. uh, you know, like everybody's down here now, you know? Yeah. Uh, no one, no one needs, to develop normal coping mechanisms that, that would like, you know, you're in a, you're in a room full of people Um, back in the old days, you know, you, you end up talking to them, you know, you end up, and then, you know, conversation has started and people talk, you all of a sudden you make friends, you're like, Hey, well, let's, let's meet up and have it, it. Now everybody gets in the room and they immediately go into their own thing. Yeah. And and usually, what's coming out of that thing is poison. Yeah, it is. You know, and uh, I mean, you know, this. The, it's like the internet has been the greatest thing for the world and the worst thing for the world. Exactly, that's how I feel. You know, this Zoom thing we're doing right here. I mean, who, whoever knew that you would not one day have to have a truck outside and satellite feeds and like all this stuff to do like what we're doing right now right so easily 
Yeah. And cheap, you know, and just basically anybody can do it. You know, you can sit anywhere and talk to anybody where they're, wherever they're at. That's, that's amazing to me. In the entire world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And that, that stuff's good. You know, it's been a platform for me to get my independent stuff out there. That's been good. But, um, at the same time, a lot of that's been bad for the music business as a whole, you know, because of, uh, royalties. That's a whole nother thing there, which they're trying to figure that out. They're, they're really trying to figure that out, uh, with the streaming services. And I think, I think we'll get there eventually, but, uh, yeah, I mean, when Napster, remember when oh, Napster came out God. and all that was going on? Yeah. I, I, like, my closest friends, I mean, n- not so much anymore because we all have families now and we've moved around, but my um, my friends were, uh, my closest friends were really um, successful musicians as well. And, uh, and they've, uh, you know, one of my buddies... Um, he has a new album and he's just like, it's so diluted now. And, and it's so, you know, you don't make money on record sales anymore. You make your money touring and on merch. And, but how do you, if you don't have the backing of the the conglomerate to get your album out there, how do you do it? You got to rely on your own social media page. And it's like, it's like starting over from the beginning, you know? Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I feel for, <laughs> you know, I, I feel for everybody right now, frankly, I'm just like, man, I do too. Oh. Good, good, good luck to, to you all, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's it's a whole lot different now, you know. Like radio used to be such a big thing. Radio is such a shithole now. Um, right. It's so just corporately managed, uh, controlled, really not even managed. Yeah. But you get on this big Spotify playlist, and all of a sudden, that's the new radio. You know, that's the new right, right thing exactly. that the publicists are trying to pitch. Uh, to these big playlists that people are subscribed to, um, and it's 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 uh, it's so different, you know now. And some of that's the bad side of it, but you know, like like we said, there is a good side. You know, like uh, social media can be a really really good thing, or yeah. it can be a really really bad thing. Yeah. And, you know, it gives us a way to get our stuff out there. People that follow you and follow me, they keep up with what we're doing. And if you got some kind of new project coming out or news or whatever, you can, you know, they'll know about it. Yeah. Um, You don't have to get a big. That's the only reason I I stay on anymore. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. Is to, you know. Yeah. I used to, you know, like Twitter for me used to be fun when it was 134 characters or whatever. Cause you had to, yeah, you had you to know, be creative with Twitter. You had to be, you had to be creative, you know, if you wanted to get the full idea out and, uh, man, now it's just poison. Yeah, it's, it is. And I don't just, get, I don't get any engagement on Twitter anymore. And I'm, I'm Facebook's dwindling down to hardly nothing. Yeah. Uh, well, cause if you're not talking about, 
the 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 vitriol mm-hmm. no one wants to no one can you know no one wants to engage no and they're and not i learned you know like yeah I, I learned a few years ago i mean every once in a while when i see something that just i can't tell you how many times i'll, I'll type something up and then i'll just go delete and then I, gotta <laughs> I, walk, I gotta walk away I've done you it. know I've because done you know you're 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 never going to change someone's mind on Twitter. No. I mean, that's, it's not, people aren't on Twitter to have discourse. They're on Twitter to, to puke out their opinions and then, you know, shit on you if mm-hmm. you disagree with them. Yeah. Yeah. From their mom's basement, most of them hiding behind a damn keyboard. Orange fingers from eating Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. A Diet Coke is my my precious mm, dr pepper's my go-to i'm down to one a day though uh, oh yeah to keep it under control i used to i used to love dr pepper but it has all that sugar man so yeah it's the good stuff though my my brother was telling me um you know that initially that was uh used medicinally dr pepper, dr. pepper right because it has it um it it like there's a prune juice in the the base of the of of Dr Pepper. My 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 stepbrother was like, "Yeah, my we used to drink it. And we couldn't understand why we were shitting so much." And then he goes, "I did some research, and that's why it's called Dr Pepper because it was like, you know, it was like an elixir back when it started out." Is that and, right? Yeah. So did it have the? Do you know if it had the like the cocaine thing like coca-cola oh i don't know if it had cocaine in it but um it's got high fructose corn syrup i know that caramel color my god don't 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 do it to yourself man that's that's, i'm done with that (laughs) till till tomorrow you're you're down to zero (laughs) (laughs) thank you eddie mcclintock for ruining my the one thing that i enjoyed for the day man you know i've tried coke zero and i've tried like diet i can't do it i can't that i just can't i can't do it i I gotta have a good old like dr pepper or coca-cola but like i said just one a day (laughs) down down to one a day and i'm good i just gotta have that little caffeine kick and i'm good Whenever I go to the movies, I I'll I'll drink. Oh Dr. yeah, like that big. Fa- There's nothing like that big fountain drink, man. Yep, yep, exactly. There's nothing like that. Uh, I want to go through some of these. Actually, let's see. I found the clip from Friends just because in case a lot of people probably would recognize this. Uh, let me see if I can see if you can hear this while I do it. Um, so this is a clip from the Friends episode with you and Lisa Kudrow. Mm-hmm. See if y'all recognize this. This is so bad for you. I broke my leg once, too. Yeah, how did yours happen? Well, it's a long story. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Let's just say there was a typographical error with a sex manual. <laughs> how about you? Car accident. Oh, let me guess. Some idiot on a cell phone wasn't paying attention. Yeah, me. <laughs> oh, hey. 
I don't know who was laughing there, but thank hey, you for that. I take it you're just visiting someone. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, um, if you have some time, you know, and maybe you might want to visit someone else. And- oh, yeah, I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the, uh, you could hear that, right? Yeah. All right. So that that was uh, the one where Rachel has a baby, and yeah, that was, that was part one. Part one, and Lisa or Phoebe running to you, getting on in the elevator. Y'all yeah. kind of had a little thing going there. Yep. And the elevator closes with you in it, and she don't know how to find you. Mm-hmm. So, well, in part two, she ends up sending um, Joey. Yeah. into my into my room and uh hilarity hilarity ensues they've made memes about that you know i'm a i'm a doctor not a mathematician <laughs> um, yeah. and interestingly i mean and this is another you know twists and turns of the career um you know they were setting me up to be phoebe's love interest for the following season really yeah. And, um, so they wanted to offer me, um, a, a deal, a recurring deal. But at that time I had a, uh, I had a, a network deal at 20th century Fox. So mm. it would have been a conflict of interest. So I, uh-huh. I had to fulfill my obligations at 20th century Fox. Um, so I did a pilot, uh, with, uh, one of the, uh, it was, uh, Brian, um, oh gosh, one of the showrunners of friends was doing a pilot with his husband, guy by the name of Jeffrey cleric. And, um, so I still had that connection to friends, but I had to fulfill this, this pilot obligation and we made the pilot and it didn't get picked up. And we went back to friends and said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. I I'm available again. And they, they had already cast, uh, the new love interest for Phoebe. And that was, uh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you were going to be actually the, the love interest for Phoebe, like a recurring, yeah. recurring role. Yeah. Wow. Man, yeah. that had to be another thing. Like, especially when the pilot didn't get picked up, it had to be a thing. Like, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any like? How was the how was the cast and the, you know, the great. crew and everything? It was probably top of the line. Great. It was great. I. Uh, they were they were all. I mean, you know, especially considering they were making a million dollars a week um, yeah. and I was just this guy coming in, you know, yeah. um, they, they could have been dismissive of me, but um, I, I eventually did a, a, I worked with Lisa Kudrow on a couple of movies that TV movies that she produced later on down the line. Um, you know, I really enjoyed uh David Schwimmer uh, did a couple script readings with him as down the road. And um, yeah, I, I have no, uh, I, I got a picture of them all together that I'll send you. Um, And people on like the crew, they were like, how did you ever get them all together in one picture? Yeah. 
because apparently, you know, they everybody kind of goes there. The girls were buddies and they go this way and these, you know, and everybody would go their separate ways. But I tracked them all down and I was like, please come do a picture with me. And yeah. and I got, I got uh, this picture with all of them, which is, I guess, pretty, pretty rare. Yeah. So, you know, that's that'll I'll put that on my tombstone. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, going through some of these here, uh, see Spin City. Uh, oh, yeah. Was that while Michael J. Fox was still on or had Charlie Sheen come in? Charlie. Charlie was there. Okay. And that, and I was, uh, I was looking, it's funny, I was, I was looking for a sponsor at the time and Charlie was still getting sober and, um, I, I asked him to sponsor me and, yeah. Am I allowed to talk about that? I guess it's Alcoholics Anonymous. So maybe I, anyway, uh, he, <laughs> said, he said, he was like, sorry, man. Sorry, man. Can't do it, bro. But you know, he was cool. And, and, and uh, at, like Alan Ruck was on that show from uh, Ferris Bueller. So wing batter, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's kind of the thing that I grew up, you know, so, hey, bada, 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 swing, bada. Yeah. And uh, Abe Froman, the, you know, Sausage King of New York or whatever it was. Or, and, and, you know, these are all things that, you know, as guys, you sit around and you do quotes from movies, right? Oh, yeah. So back in high school and college, we're doing these quotes. And then all of a sudden, there I am working with this guy, yeah. you know? as a, as a contemporary. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun one to be on. I used to, I used to do a ton of sitcoms, man. I mean, I was like yeah. my first, um, my first foray into sitcoms was, uh, I got a bit part on this show called Ned and Stacy, which was Thomas Hayden church and Deborah messing. Mm. And, um, and they they liked my character so much that uh, that they brought me back for like three more episodes to the point where the last episode I was on was named after my character. It was all that Chaz. And I had this love affair with Deborah Messing and, you know, got to work with Tom Church, who is just hysterical. And I'll, I'll never forget when um, like I felt like I belonged um, I, I was there on the set and Tom church walked by and punched me in the shoulder. Like, I was like, ah, and then I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, I was like, oh, I'm, oh, cool. You know, he, he felt like I was, he felt like I was worth punching, yeah. you know, I, I'm in, I'm in. And, and, uh, and, uh, so that was a, that was a good one, you know, working on, um, uh, just shoot me was amazing getting to work with uh you know that cast the legendary cast and oh yeah david spade uh, and 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 george siegel Siegel. uh, wendy malick and i mean you know i i was always pinching myself man like you know i always felt like i always felt like i had I had snuck into the party though, you know, like I always yeah. felt like uh, I was always waiting for them to discover the interloper. Like, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. spy, spy, uh-huh. because, uh, you know, these, these were people that had done it 
their yeah. whole lives and, you know, gone to, you know, when I, when I first said to one of my buddies who was, uh, I worked with as a PA that I was going to be an actor, he was like, Eddie, people come from all over the world to this tiny city to, to do that. It, the, the odds are astronomical that you're going to just like decide one day that you're going to do this and that you'll have success. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know. I, again, I had always was like, well, if I, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the best at it. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. I never thought of, of it being any other way. Um, and uh so i didn't i didn't let that voice well i mean you always still have that doubt you know like you know am i worthy yeah yeah did i did i sneak into the party or have i earned the right to be at this party yeah maybe Um, that's a good thing yeah you know i think i mean it's better than you know like if i had been a little more full of myself if i had been a little bit more like i am a brilliant artist I probably would be much more successful because right. the, the people that walk into the test rooms with that, they're, in, they're, they're thinking these people are lucky to have me. Yeah. You know, like, whereas I'm like, I'm so lucky to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I hope I like to think that I'm able to put my head down on the pillow, pillow a little bit more easily at night you know man just going through some of these here i mean my god it's like even diagnosis murder i mean oh yeah how how was like dick van dyke i'm sure you grew up on that oh yeah um uh, i actually didn't get to work with dick van dyke on the show i don't think i ever saw him maybe for a, a very brief moment during mm-hmm. that episode. Yeah. Um, but um, just working on Dick Van Dyke's uh, show. And again, that was my first, that was my first network show that I ever did. Oh, that, wow. That I, I had done the commercials. I'd done a bunch of national commercials and, and then I did the young and the restless where I had to dance. And then diagnosis murder was my first, um, uh, swing at, at network TV. And it was thrilling and fantastic. And, um, I remember when I was, when I did, uh, the first, uh, Coors Light beer commercial, the football one, I called my best friend from back in Ohio. And I said, bro, they had retired his football jersey at our school because he was the he was the best wide receiver ever to come out of our high school and they they retired his jersey and i'm like send me your jersey i'm gonna i'm gonna wear it on this this commercial (laughs) and uh i i became it blew up in back in north canton you know like north canton boy does national beer because every sunday during uh nfl football you know the commercial tap the rocky and my commercial would play and and uh you know um, you know i remember the article you know the articles in my hometown paper started out as a little you know a little paragraph and then 
got to the point where I had, you know, a, a few pages as uh, with different pictures and stuff. And, and, and the, the best part of that, the best part of that was that my dad, it made my dad proud. Yeah. And that That's, that's what it was. That's all that it was about for me, man, was just making my dad smile and making my dad proud and, and making my dad say, Eddie, man, I don't know how you did this, but I'm, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. yeah. That's the ultimate goal. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's somebody like you holding in high regard, like you did him, you know, you grow up your whole life just wanting them to be proud of you. Yeah. And well, especially considering, you know, like the fact that I was such a maniac when I was, you know, when I was younger and my dad, you know, I, I put a few years on my old dad when I was a kid, you know, like, and I, I, I believe that he kind of sent me off to college going, you know, with on a wing and a prayer, man, you know, so the fact that I could, and, and I've eventually been able to go back to my aunt and uncle, my uncle who fired me. And uh, I did a film that I introduced them. Uh, I um, invited them to come to the premiere. And, and before the film, I got to stand up and, and ha- give a little speech. And I, I got to publicly um, acknowledge what had happened and apologize to my uncle publicly and thank him for the opportunity and, and, you know, be able to show him that I had um, kind of overcome the things that, that were holding me back. And he does all our insurance now. And we have a, we have a great relationship. All right. All right. Easy. Um, Full full circle kind of thing. Yeah. That's, That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, man, my life has been a lot of those, uh, you know, concentric circles, you know. I I have uh, the, uh, is 95, the Coors Light, Tap the Rockies? Does that sound right? Yeah. It's on YouTube. uh, Let me me see if I can track this real quick. So people can hear this, or part of it anyway. I'm, I'm number 29. That is a total 90s beer commercial. (laughs) Wow. And, and, uh, you know, again, for that audition, I remember um, we did our callbacks in uh, on a soundstage, a big soundstage. Um, and, uh, and so there were a lot of football players there, you yeah. know, there were a lot of, uh, and I, and I played football my whole life too. Yeah. Um, but, but the guys that were there were taking it all very, very seriously. <laughs> yeah. uh, like they, you know, they were warming up and I just went in and when it was my turn, I just like, I was doing all this, you know, stuff that I would do on the playground with all my buddies, you know, like it wasn't like I was 
playing the intramural championships, I was, I was having a good time with my buddies in the backyard. Right. Yeah. And, um, and again, they, they hired me because I was, you know, willing to just kind of show who I was, you know, be yourself. Yeah. And then they, when, when we got up to do the commercial, we were on a small green stage. It was very small and it was completely green because it, you know, they, they had to green screen the Rocky mountains into the interplay of the football. Mm-hmm. So, so it was very, it was really foreign, like, okay. You know, and they're like, okay, now pretend like you're playing football and it wasn't going well. And I remember because they, it was so weird for all of us. And I can remember the director going, 29, 29, do, do something, do, you know, like, I guess I had been hired to be the, the, the wild card. Right. Yeah. So, so I, at one point I got the ball and I took my hat and put it backwards and I put the ball up like this, and then I did this like grease lightning thing, this uh, John Travolta ripoff from from Greece. Go grease lightning, you know. And I <laughs> and they love they love that, and that's what they ended up featuring in the in the commercial. That kind of goes with it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, so. <laughs> well, you did something, I guess. You took yeah. his advice. You yeah. did something. Yeah, yeah. And they, you know, they were like, "Oh, okay, there, there. That's that's." interesting i don't you know like where did that come from i don't know but yeah you know again it's always been you know my my willingness to free associate and and, you know it's kind of been i live by the sword and i die by the sword in regard to the things i've been willing to say like i've always been willing to step over the line when it comes to my comedy or right i've always been willing to i've never been afraid to like you know, uh, be a grown man that still acts like a kid. Yeah. And it, and it's it served me. And then sometimes it hasn't served me, but you know, like I, I, I never, I never kind of went back on that, you know, yeah. it's harder. It's harder now because you're afraid that you're going to say the wrong thing and they're going to cancel you. And, um, you know, like I was at a convention up in Denver a couple weeks ago and, and, and I, I was raised to say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. When I talk to people and I would be like, yes, ma'am, ma'am, sir, ma'am, you know, like, ain't that the craziest thing? Like, you know, open a door for a lady. What do you think you're doing? I can open the door myself. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, I, that's where we're at. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I don't know. I, I don't think that we can go back. I, I think that it's so <sighs> twisted now that I don't know. Don't oh, know. I'm going to keep on. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm, me too. You know, like I, I am who I am and and I, I I believe I'm a pretty decent person and I don't I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and and if they misinterpret what I say that's on them man exactly. not, not on me cuz I know where I'm coming from exactly you know, you know your your own intentions of why you do what you do no matter how small or how big you know 
why you did it. Exactly. And you can lay your head down with that every night. You know, it, yeah. anybody gets in an uproar about this silly stuff. Uh, you're right. It's on them. It's on yeah. them. We can all make our own decisions, our own choices. And I just try to make the best ones that I know how to make, man. And that's all we can do. It's all we can exactly. do. Exactly. Uh, you know, people like, it's like people take themselves way too seriously anymore, man. It's like, you know, just relax, you know, yeah. not, a, not everybody is out to get you. Yeah. You know, like, like what, what I was, and I, I was feeling crappy. You know, I was feeling crap. I was feeling crappy just yesterday. Um, it was my birthday. It was the first birthday that I had celebrated without my father. Um, I was feeling kind of blue. And then my wife and I went to get our pictures taken for, to renew our driver's license. And uh, I've, I've always made a habit of making the weirdest faces for my driver's license. Yeah. And I told the lady, I was like, um, could you count to three? Because I get really uncomfortable when I, when I uh, have my picture taken. So could you count to three? So, so uh, I went from having like this normal face and she count three. And then I made this really fucking weird face. And I read, I went over and told Lynn, my wife about it. And she started laughing and we sat there and laughed. And I was like, I felt better yeah just from la having a laugh man. Oh, man and i'm just like that's the key it is. <laughs> you know, it is. Man, that's gotta be the key it is it's like yeah. laughter is it can almost heal anything yeah you know and, and don't i don't take myself so seriously man yeah. you know if people would just lighten up lighten you know? up. yeah exactly. i know that i know that's a i know that's boiling it down to its you know lowest common denominator it's kind of maybe just like saying you know nancy reagan's thing you know just don't don't do it or what well said just say no just say right? no yeah you know okay it's not quite that simple but you know maybe it is yeah you know? <laughs> i think so i mean it's it's it is i think if you if you want it to be it's as simple as you want it to be you can yeah. you can make you can me and my wife are always laughing at something. We're, we send each other these TikTok videos and especially stuff like people falling down. Like I still laugh like I'm five. And right, so, does, right. so does she. People falling yeah. down. There's something funny as hell about people falling down. And it's It'll universal. Funny. It's, it's like, it's like, a, it's like farting guys. You know? <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> like, farts will always be funny to me <laughs> that's just, uh, yeah that's just the way it is it is man and it's like yeah you just don't don't take yourself so seriously that you can't laugh at yourself you know my grandmother she's almost 81 she'll be 81 in like two weeks and she's all time done silly kind of stuff and she has always always laughed at herself and I think that is what's kept her young. Yeah. It's just kept her, uh, just centered yeah. even in the bad times and the bad health stuff that she's went through. 
you know, she can still laugh at herself, man. That's a, that's kind of an inspiration to me. Yeah. Because yeah, not, sure. my granddaddy couldn't do that. <laughs> right. He, right. He couldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, she was, she was the balance for your grandpa probably because, you know, she kept everything as light as she could to counteract his, his serious nature. Yeah. Now he, he would play, you know, with me, like chase me around the house and he, he got a kick out of that. He was the one, he was the kind of the patriarch at Christmas time and loved having all the family together. She does too, but he just lit up, you know, but it's almost like, you know, if you caught him off guard, he didn't know. Yeah, he would be, he'd be no, really awkward. He <laughs> he, and he definitely wouldn't laugh at himself if he said something, uh, right? messed something up. You know, he is. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. But she always has. And that, that I, I think that's important. You know, laugh at yourself. We're not perfect. That, that's one of the <laughs> things that I that I loved about Warehouse 13, um, which was the, the my most successful show sure. was um, – I mean, we we found a way to to mix sci-fi in with like real core family problems and dynamics, and at the same time, we still laughed at ourselves, yeah. you know. And we still, um, and and I think that's why people related to that show so much, you know, because we. You know, when they when they hired our boss to write the show, he he said, look, I'm not a I'm not a sci fi guy. I don't know anything about sci fi. What I do know about is family. So if you if you surround me with sci fi guys, I can be the core of this show. I can write the core, the family dynamic of this show. And then, you know, we'll have the the sci fi stuff all around it. Uh, which was, you know, brilliant, and uh, which yeah. is why I think the show was so successful. Yeah, that and that was just another pilot you had done, you know. Yeah, and it just happened to it happened that one happened to hit and stick. It was like the I think it was the tenth my tenth pilot. Mm. Wow, and and what a life changer! I mean, you're probably still doing comic cons and stuff from that. From that oh yeah, show. I just I just got back from Liverpool. I was in the UK last weekend, um, and then I was in Denver the weekend before that. And I, you know, before Warehouse Thirteen, I didn't even know these things existed. I mean, I I knew about you know Trekkies or Trekker, you know, the Star Trek thing. Yeah, but uh, I didn't know that uh, that that this show would provide for me the way that it has not just monetarily but emotionally yeah you know i get to go i get to go and i get to give back Mm -hmm. to the to the people that have given me a career and you know um like i I had uh the best compliment i've ever been paid in my entire life i was at a convention uh years ago back i think the show was still on the air I had this young kid come up to me and um, we were talking. He was a, he was a Marine Corps sniper. And, um, and I noticed his legs, he had shorts on and I, 
as we were talking, I noticed his legs were, were really messed up and, you know, and we were talking and he said that, uh, when he was in Afghanistan, he stepped over a, a remotely detonated IED and, um, you know, they had to, that was his alive day, they call it, right? Um, it's the day that he should have been dead, but he ended up living. Mm. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, I, he goes, I just, I was in the hospital uh, having surgeries for the next year and a half never left the hospital. Wow. He goes, he goes and Pete Latimer kept me alive. Mm. And, uh, and uh, the, so the next day he showed back up at my table and he was like, man, I want to give you something. And uh, he tried to give me his purple heart. Oh, wow. And, and I was like, brother, thank you. I'm honored, but that purple heart should go to, to your parents or, you know, you, that you should keep that in the family. And he goes, it's okay. Cause, uh, I got another one cause I got blown up in Iraq too. <laughs> and, uh, but he gave me, he gave me one of his purple hearts and, um, Amazing. it's just stuff like that. You know, you, you think as an actor, it's like, what am I doing? What, what good am I doing for the world? You know, am I making a difference? Or am I just, am I, am I taking up space and air, you know, yeah. and you haven't, you have an experience like that for me, you know, that, that purple heart is up in our safe. And, and every year I try and reach out to him on his alive day and just say, Hey man, just checking in, buddy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. God, that's amazing. You know, I've always, I've always been a big you know, like one of the things that my dad taught me along with my handshake was, you know, to, you know, show respect for, uh, our, our veterans. I mean, I was born on Memorial day. So, so, uh, Memorial day weekend. So it's always been, uh, important to me. And, and, uh, so to have someone, who I respect their service so much have me have me be such an important part of his life. You know, that, that helps me walk a little taller and, you know, gets me through the day when I'm, when I'm feeling like, you know, a piece of shit. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's a God thing for him too, for you to be on that show and for him to have, for it to have, touched him at what he was going through in his life at that point and and on from there i mean that has to be you know if he said the one thing yeah that got him through i mean i can't wow that's that's something i guess you'd never expect to hear when you're doing these filming these scenes no no i had i had no idea mm when I, when I was up in Denver here just a couple weeks ago, there was a, a there was a guy who uh, he had been coming through during the weekend with his family. And I said, hi to he and his kids a few times and they came by. And then on the last day he came over by himself and he came up to me and he goes, Hey, I just wanted to tell you that, um, you kept me from killing myself. Mm. I, I was going to kill myself. And he go, and he said, I, I just loved the spirit 
that you brought to this character. And I, I mean, you know, what do you do with that information, man? You know, like I just hugged this guy and I said, I, I love you, man. Yeah. And, you know, stay on the planet, stay on the planet, you know? Uh, that's Yeah. That's, uh, that's really something, really something. Yeah. Every, every once in a while, the, the, the ball kicker that is this business um, will reward me with, with something that says, don't give up yet. Don't, don't, don't let go yet. You know, keep, yeah. keep. Wow. What, what are you working on now? I mean, I know you said you were doing the directing the thing that, uh, that Dean. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, working on trying to get my 17 and 16 year old kids <laughs> through high school right now. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, I'm still getting uh, auditions uh, here and there. And, you know, like Rick says to me, he's like, Eddie, the town still loves you. It's just, they are under edicts that make it so that even though that they, even though they still love you and love who you are, they are being made to hire a certain way. So, but as long as I get the auditions, I'll keep, I'll keep going to them, you know, and, you know, Rick and I, Rick and I have an understanding. It's like, okay, when, when the day comes, you'll tell me, right. And he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you when it's time. when you should, you know, think about other stuff. I mean, a, a couple of years ago, right before the, uh, the pandemic, I was in a place where I couldn't sleep at night. I knew I had to bring in some kind of money. Our money was just going out, going out, going out. And I, and I, and I was like, what can I do? First of all, who's going to hire me and to do what? after 25 years, like what, what, what am I qualified to do? Um, what can I do that I can, my, my boys will feel proud of me and that I can have some pride and my wife will be proud of me. So I decided to apply to LAPD. Oh, wow. I went downtown and sat in a room with about 120, 19 and 20 year olds. You know, a lot of them had just come out of the military and, I mean, I'm, I was 53 at the time, but I brought my running shoes and my workout stuff. And because of my wrestling background, I've always stayed in shape. I've always been a gym rat. I went out, took the physical fitness qualifier, finished in the top of the class, took the personal, uh, the, the uh, personality test, got a 97 on that. (laughs) Excuse me. And then in the background check, they asked if I had ever done drugs. <laughs> I mean, they were like, have you ever done drugs? Uh, if so, what was the date? And uh, how many times did you do those drugs? And I was looking at these going, womp, I mean, womp, <laughs> I basically said, uh, yes, I did drugs uh, from 1982 until 1999. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I went to check my uh, profile on the site a few days later and it was, uh, it was gone. And then I got a letter from them saying that I had been 
released. You were honest. Yeah. You, that's what you get for being honest, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, rigorous honesty in my, in my life is what I try and practice. So that's a good thing to practice. Yeah. Well, man, we could talk forever, but, uh, um, I'll let you, I'll let you rest for a little while, I guess. And, uh, just, uh, stay, stay on the path, man, you know, to, to finding Thanks, those bro. answers and, and to your dad, you know, he's going to be reaching out in through different ways. I guarantee you guarantee oh, you, you will, man. I, I, I need, I need that, uh, I need to hear stuff like that from, from people like you, Andrew. I, I appreciate it, man. This, this has been a pleasure for me. Um, and thank you again. And, you know, bro, you, you have my, uh, my number. So, um, you know, please reach out anytime if you need a favor or whatever. And and if you ever, if you're ever out this way, man, I'd love to bring the wife down to hear you play. Oh yeah, man, for sure. If I, if I ever make it back out to, uh, California. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> nobody's really calling right now. You know, right. uh, the touring since, since COVID, the touring yeah. thing for me has been basically almost non-existent. Um, but you know, I'm still writing, I'm still staying out there and, uh, I've been focusing a lot of time on doing this and I'm enjoying this, man, this, I started this during COVID because it just kind of kept me sane. Right. Um, some of the friends that I had met in the business, it kind of gave us a way to stay connected while we was all sitting home. And yeah. so it's a good thing. It's turned into a thing now where uh, I'm branching out with it. So. Well, if I, if I ever uh, do my own podcast, I, I would hope that you'd come on and uh, be a I'd, guest on my show. I'll be your first one, man. Be, awesome. Be your first one. And, awesome. And now before we go, we got to tell, because <laughs> this is, this is great. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta, you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, you already know what I'm going to say. So he, before we go on the air, you know, he's, he's saying that he'll forgive me for being from Alabama and, you know, blah, blah, yada, yada. So, <laughs> and then he says some of him and his wife's best friends are from Alabama. And I said, Oh really? What part? And he hollers at his wife and asks what part? And she says, Greenbow. <laughs> okay. And then, then he with a very like serious face, like believing they were from Greenbow, Alabama, tells me Greenbow. And I'm like sitting here a minute and I said, uh, isn't that the Forrest Gump thing? <laughs> He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Well, life's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, I guess that set us up for the whole thing. Maybe yeah. your wife, maybe it's your wife's fault. Maybe that started the whole thing right there. Yeah, she's trying to set me up. <laughs> what was funny is you didn't even catch it. No, and, no idea. And it took me a minute. But <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. All right, man. Well, yeah, I got your, you got my number too. So same with you, you know. Um, I, I will. I, I definitely will. All right. We've been talking to Eddie McClintock today. Appreciate y'all tuning in once again uh, to Picking It Out, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>